Let me encourage you to open your Bible to Matthew 14. It's a blessing to have you with us today. Some who are visitors, some who are all the time here. But we are glad for your presence. As we look at this miracle of Jesus walking on the water. It is a story that many of you know quite well. But may God open our eyes to see all the power, all the glory of this account. The first part of this in verses 22 through 33 that we read today, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. But Jesus said, and, and they said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's Son. Continuing to read of his mass healings, the Bible said when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret. Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent word into all that surrounding district and brought to him all who were sick. And they implored him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched it were cured. Let's look at the text and reflect upon it and see what it tells us about God, who is always the key character of Scripture and the clearest revelation of God is found in Jesus. What does it tell us about Him? What does it tell us about disciples. But the text tells us that Jesus made the disciples get into a boat. Now that particular word made may not catch your attention, but it's a very strong word and it is only used here of Jesus. It is used, for example, in Galatians 2 verse 3, when the Bible tells us some compelled Titus to be circumcised. 
They tried to compel Titus to be circumcised. It is used in Acts 26 in verse 11 when Paul talks about his pre Christian days, how he compelled some to blaspheme. It is a strong word. And only here, again, that verb is used with Jesus. Why is Jesus so strong in sending his disciples away? Maybe because he wants to spend time in prayer, but maybe to get them away from the popular messianic expectations that some were having of Jesus. The Bible says that the response to the feeding of 5,000 in John 6, in verse 15, was that some tried to take him by force and make him a king. Maybe the disciples would have been called up in that excitement. Jesus makes them get into a boat, and sends them ahead. And after seeing the crowd's way, Jesus is by himself. Verse 23 tells us that same, those same two words are used in verse 13, where the feeding of 5,000 was launched by an effort to get away from the crowds. But here Jesus is by himself. He went onto a mountain by himself to pray. You ever have time that you need to be alone? Need to be away from others? What do you do when you need to be alone? Look at what Jesus does. He prays. And the Bible tells us it was evening. He is there alone, but the disciples whom he has sent away are having quite a struggle. The text tells us in verse 24, they were a long distance from land, and the text says, battered by the waves. The ship they were in was battered by the waves in verse 24. Now, that particular word, battered, sometimes refers to the hostility of demons and demon possession. Matthew 8, 29, Mark 5, verse 7 are examples. In the song that Mitch led a moment ago, there is an allusion to demons. And that allusion to demons may tie to this idea that some, some uh, uses of this particular word are connected to people who are tormented by demons. But anyway, battered by the waves, the wind is contrary. It is the fourth watch of the night between 3 and 6 a.m. And that's going to be significant later. It is the fourth watch of the night. And Jesus comes walking and they see an image, a figure walking to them. And they are afraid. They're terrified. It is a ghost. And Jesus said, it is I. Do not be troubled. Don't be afraid. And Peter speaks up. And Peter says, Lord, it is you. And that does not imply doubt. That is more the idea of since it is you, let me come to you on the water. Now in these next five chapters of Matthew, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18, Peter will play a unique role 
among the disciples that's not mentioned in the other Gospels, each of these five chapters. Here, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. Jesus walks on the water. Jesus apparently can make other people walk on the water. And he comes. How long did Peter walk on the water? How far did he get on the water? I, I don't know. It's not stated. But he began to see the wind or see the effects of the wind. And he, he recognizes what he is doing. And he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus stretches forth his hand and saves him. And says, oh you of little faith. An expression often used in Matthew to the disciples. And when they got into the boat, like the account in Matthew 8, the winds, the waves, the storm, all become still. And they worshiped him. And they said, You are God's Son. Always, the key character of Scripture is God. And God is most clearly revealed in the person of Jesus. Whether we talk about Isaiah 40, where God stretches out the heavens by the span and calculates the dust of the earth by measure, and He holds the water in His hand. Whether we talk about that, or whether we talk about Jesus feeding the 5,000, or walking on the water, all of this should lead us to stand in awe of the God that we worship and serve. All of this should lead us to stand in awe of Him. Now, as we look at this particular account, there are several things that strike me that point to this as a powerful demonstration of who Jesus is and of why we can trust Him, of who He is. Uh, he is God come in the flesh. And I want you to realize how abundantly clear this is in all the events of Matthew chapter 14. First of all, the text tells us that as the disciples are struggling on the sea, they're struggling with the boat, and apparently they've been sent away at evening. They have been on this sea for hours. Jesus is coming to them between the third and the fifth, third and the sixth, uh, third, three and six a.m. The Bible says in verse twenty-four or verse twenty-five, he was walking on the water, walking on the water. Now, sometimes we talk about we see Elisha doing this and Elijah doing that and Moses doing this. There is no equivalent of this. In the Old Testament, oh, you find the waters of the Red Sea and the Jordan dried up. 
so that Israel may cross over on the dry land. But listen to these words from Job 8, or Job 9 in verse 8. Speaking of God, Job says he alone stretches out the heavens. He tramples down the waves of the sea. He tramples down the waves of the sea. Who walks on water? Who walks on the sea and tramples on the sea? It is God. This is a powerful revelation of who Jesus is. The disciples are afraid. The disciples are thinking that he is seeing, they are seeing a ghost. And they are terrified. And Jesus said, do not be terrified. Do not be troubled. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, the same words are used in the account in Mark, in the account in John. It is I. Now, I want to be careful with the evidence because this was a normal way in which people would have identified themselves in the first century. Let me give you an example. You remember when Jesus opened the eyes of the blind man in John 9 and some of the people were saying, he looks like the blind man. He looks like the blind man that, that was here begging. And the Bible says they're disputing. Some say it was him. Some say he only looks like him. And the blind man said in John 9 verse 9, I am the one. But in Greek, it's the same two words that Jesus uses here. It is I. I am. So this was a way that people identified themselves in the first century. But in light of this context, in light of this context, I think there is a lot more to Jesus' words. I am. The Lord appears to Moses, tells him to go to Egypt. Moses says, who am I? God says, I will be with you. Moses asks, what is your name? When they ask me, what is your name? What shall I say to them? And God told Moses, say, I am who I am. And I am has sent me to you. When God describes himself to Moses, for Moses to reveal and defend his ministry to the people, God reveals himself this way. I am. Of course, the Old Testament originally written in the Hebrew language, but when this was translated into Greek, it uses the same two words that Jesus is using. When they are afraid that they are seeing a ghost, Jesus says, take courage, I am. Did they understand fully the significance of that at that moment? But we can. The I am who spoke to Moses at the burning bush is walking on the water 
to the disciples. Now I ask you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. And I want to make a point about something that Mark includes that Matthew doesn't. That I think increases the majesty of this moment. In Mark chapter 6, let me just pick up in verse 46. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea. And he was alone on the land, seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them. At about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and he intended to pass by them. Now, I hope you know, I hope you notice that most of what we read is duplicated in Matthew 14. There was an exception, though. That last phrase, he intended to pass by them. Now, at first glance, that may look like Jesus is just going to walk on the water and leave the disciples in this boat and just walk past them. But it may be very significant, the words that are used. Do you remember when Moses said, I pray you, Lord, show me your glory. And Moses was told that no man can see God's glory and live. We cannot survive the experience of seeing God in all of his glory. But this statement is made in Exodus 33, 19. I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. In verse 22 of Exodus 33. And it will come about that while my glory is passing by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you will see my back, but my face shall not be seen. In Exodus 34, in verse 6, then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. The word that is used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Translated past is the same word that is used in Mark 6 in verse 48. Jesus is demonstrating the glory of God. The glory of God. The Lord God compassionate and gracious, abounding in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sins. Another time this word is used is in 1 Kings chapter 19, as the discouraged Elijah, 
asked God to take his life. And in 1 Kings 19, verses 11 and 12, Elijah is told, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. And the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. If we want to see, like Moses, the glory of the Lord, one of the ways to see it is to examine this account, to examine it, to drink deeply of it, to reflect upon it, to ponder it. What does it tell us about who he is? He makes all his glory pass before them as he is walking on the water to his disciples. And they, and we, could stand in awe of him. Stand in utter awe of Jesus. Peter is sinking. And he cries out, Lord, save me. In Psalm 90, Psalm 69, save me, O God, for the waters have threatened my soul. I have sunk into deep mire and there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and a flood overflows me. The waters threaten my life. Save me, O oh God. Just as God was addressed with the word, save me. These words are addressed by Peter to Jesus. Save me, Lord. He cried out, Lord, save me. And the Bible tells us that Jesus stretched forth his hand. I apologize that the notes are somewhat cryptic. He stretched out his hand. Now, is that significant? Listen to these verses. Psalm 18, verse 16. He sent from on high. Speaking of God. Psalm 18, 16. He sent from on high. He took me out of the many waters. Psalm 144, verse 7. Stretch forth your hand from on high and rescue me and deliver me out of the great waters. Those words addressed to God in Psalm 18 and Psalm 144. Jesus is stretching out his hand and taking hold of him. And when he gets in the bone, they worship When Cornelius bowed before Peter, Cornelius, Peter said, Stand up because I too am just a man. Acts 10, verses 25 and 26. When they tried to do sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas in Acts 14, they tore their clothes when they realized what happened. And they said, men, we try to teach you to turn away from these things to the living God who made all things. In Revelation 
Revelation 19, when John really worship an angel, he said, no, worship God. They worship Jesus. Sometimes this word is used in the Gospels, like in Matthew 8, verse 2, Matthew 9, 18. It is hard to realize what did the people understand. Were they simply bowing as a sign of reverence? Or were they fully worshiping Him in the sense that it belongs only to God? But I think here, it is beginning to dawn upon the disciples who He is. Who He is. And they are standing in awe of Him. I hope there is a burning in every heart here. I would wish there was a burning in every heart in this world. To behold the glory of the Lord. If you long for that, lead on this. Meditate upon this. Stand in awe of the one who walks upon the water. But I'll tell you, the fact that this emphasizes so strongly the deity of Christ so strongly the deity of Christ only makes verse 23 more amazing. Jesus sends the crowds away to be by Himself to pray. We earlier said the fourth watch of the night was between 3 and 6 a.m. When is he sitting in his crowd's way? It says evening. What time does evening begin? And what was their precise definition? What I'm trying to express. Jesus is not praying. As we often pray briefly before our meal. Jesus is praying for hours. There's some 15 times in the gospel Jesus is pictured as in prayer. Only two of them are in Matthew. Right here and in Gethsemane. In both, Jesus is somewhat alone, though there in Matthew 26, he brought Peter, James, and John closer to him. Now again, friend, I ask you, when you have those moments that you want to unwind, how do we do that? Years ago, a younger man came up to a few of us 
Maybe you've talked to several people and saved with several people. He said, don't unwind just the television or the radio or the internet. He said, unwind with the Word of God. Now, there have been moments that Christy looked at me after a hard day and she said, Tom Holly would be disappointed in you. But those words are powerful. Unwind with the word. And unwind with prayer. We'll come back. tell us about being a disciple. I think there's a lesson more here than simply stay in the boat and be quiet. Which is not bad advice sometimes. But I think there's a deeper message here. Lord, if it's you, let me come to you on the water. And Jesus says, Come. And Peter begins to walk on the water. Peter begins to walk on the water and sees the wind. He sees the waves. He is in awe, perhaps, of their power. And as he sees the winds and waves, and he's in awe of their power, he loses sight of Peter. The book of Hebrews was written to Christians who had experienced some persecution for their faith and things may have been getting more intense. But listen to these words in Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2. Therefore since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who, for, who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. 
Consider him who endured such hostility so that you will not grow weary, so that you will not lose heart. The one who endured such hostility is also the one who walked on the water and they saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. As we look at things around us, there is a lot to be discouraged about. There's a lot to be overwhelmed by. But we fix our eyes on the one who is able to walk on the water. The one who can say, I am. The one who shows his glory as it passes by. The one who can save us from drowning in the waters and stretch forth his mighty hand and save us. So that we worship Him. There's a lot of reason for confidence. There's a lot of reason for hope. But I think Peter, and as we stated in these next few chapters, Peter's going to continually resurface. And he's going to at times make bold and true statements. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he is going to at times fall flat. But I think Peter is representative of us all. How many times has Jesus said to me and to you, Oh, you a little faith. I shudder to think. Maybe in the other account where Jesus prays in this gospel. He tells us. When Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, and he comes back and his disciples are asleep, he said in verse 40, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. Maybe sometime we find things around us so daunting because we haven't kept watching and praying. Prayer doesn't make our troubles go away, but it reminds us that the center of the universe is this God who reveals himself to the disciples who can sustain us in the midst of any storm who walks with us through the fire and through the water Isaiah 43 in verse 2 and strengthens and sustains us a reformer in the 1600s was going into an interview with the Queen, Queen Mary, who was known as Bloody Mary for a reason. 
His interview was to last 10 minutes. He was asked, are you afraid of standing before the queen? And he responded, how can I be afraid of 10 minutes with the queen when I had just spent two hours with the king? Watch and pray. And that can strengthen us for the storms of life. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we come before you knowing that we are weak, we are frail, we are sons of the Apostle Peter in this sense. So we ask you to keep our eyes focused on you. Keep our eyes focused on you and our strength truly in you so that you are our hope, that you are our strength, that you are our shield. May we look at these accounts and stand in awe of who you are of what you do and may you transform us from from what Peter was to what he became from a trembling fearful man to a bold disciple of yours. Forgive us of our failures. Forgive us for the times you rebuked us for our little faith. Shape us and make us into your likeness and bring us home so that we can finally see your glory. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you want today to put your hand in the hand of the man who sealed the waters? Your hand in the hand of the man who calmed the sea. He was more than just a man. He was God come in the flesh and he can save you from your problem. He can rescue you from your greatest problem, which is sin itself. Sin and death that is so closely aligned with sin. If you believe 
that Jesus died and rose again and you're willing to turn from your sins in repentance to be baptized for remission of sins, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.